Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Medical Association of Georgia Top Docs radio show. Uh, my name is Donald Palmazano, and I'm the Executive Director for the Medical Association of Georgia. Today's show is going to address the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services Opioid Prescribing Mapping Tool, which helps combat the opioid misuse. We're also going to be discussing CMS's opioid prescribing policies for the Medicare Part D program. With more than 8,000 members, uh, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in the state of Georgia. MAG also has represents physicians in every specialty as well as every practice setting. Please go to www.mag.org for more information, or if you're a physician, you can join uh, MAG from our website. We're proud to say that with more than 100 episodes, MAG's Top Doc show has now reached over 440,000 viewers which includes people in every state and more than 80 countries. Today, um, I'd like to express our sincere thanks to the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities and Alliant Health Solutions for sponsoring today's program. Our guest today is Dr. Wild. Dr. Richard Wild is the Chief Medical Officer for CMS for the Atlanta and Boston regions, which includes Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, North and South Carolina, as well as six uh, uh, New England states. Uh, Dr. Wall has 30 years' experience as a board-certified emergency physician, including prescribing opioids for acute pain, chronic pain, as well as treating patients who have overdosed or who have opioid use disorder. Uh, Please note that this is Dr. Wall's third appearance on our program, and we're very excited to have you here today. Thank you, Dr. Wall, for for attending our show today. Don, once again, it's always a great uh, pleasure to be with you and to get uh, uh, our information out to your members. Well, thank you. Well, let's jump right into it. Um, Dr. Wall, can you give us an overview of the three-prong approach uh, and roadmap that uh, CMS has developed to combat opioid misuse? Yes, we're focusing in three areas, uh, prevention, treatment, and the use of data. To uh, uh, First of all, in prevention, we'd like, as, as anyone would uh, imagine, to try to uh, reduce the number of people who need initial fills of opioids and focus more on uh, alternatives to uh, opioids for chronic pain management. And when opioids are necessary, to try to limit those to the uh, smallest dose, the, the shortest duration that uh, uh, patients uh, could, could have um, for their pain. Okay. Um, in, in terms of treatment, we're trying to expand the uh, treatment of patients that have opioid use disorder, making uh, uh, buprenorphine and uh, medication-assisted treatment more available across the Medicare spectrum to Medicare patients as well as uh, uh, Medicaid patients as well. Well, excellent, because we, we, I know we've had some challenges at the state level getting uh, medication-assisted therapy recognized. So thank you that uh, CMS is addressing that issue at the federal level. Yes. And then finally, the third uh, prong is going to be data. And we're using our Part D data to uh, help inform public health, local and state public health uh, officials, to use that data to focus on areas where prevention and treatment will have the most uh, effect. And also to let doctors see in their own area what the uh, opioid prescribing rates are. And we have a tool that doctors can actually look up their own individual Medicare Part D opioid prescribing rate. And so they can even, uh, we'll go on later and talk about how they can compare specialties. Okay. 
and zip codes, et cetera. And compare themselves to their peers. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so when people think CMS, they, they think about Medicare, even though CMS also has Medicaid. So I guess my first question to you is, what is CMS doing to help Medicare patients and their family members and caregivers use prescription opioids in a safer and a more responsible way? So we have a big information campaign. We're providing a lot of uh, information bulletins to our Medicare beneficiaries and their caregivers. And first of all, the, the, the message we always have to them is talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor about what is most appropriate for you. But to make them aware that there are alternatives to uh, opioid therapy for chronic pain. And, and, and let them know that uh, they may want to discuss uh, alternatives to opioid therapy for chronic pain. And uh, talk to their doctors on what the most appropriate treatment is for them. But everything is focused on the individual needs of the patient. But we are making the patients uh, aware of the opioid crisis that we have in our country. And thank you for also making aware the caregivers as well, because um, a lot of times it's it's the physicians working mm-hmm. with not only the patients, but also their caregivers. So thank you for doing that. Um, what do physicians need to know about the Medicare Part D formulary uh, safety alerts? The, the most important thing that I want to, um, top line message I want to get, get through is these are not prescribing limits by any means. These are safety alerts. They are there to uh, trigger awareness in the prescribing physician that they may be uh, prescribing at a, at a uh, dose that might be um, um, perhaps not as beneficial for the patient as, as it could be. Uh, but nothing in these prescribing limits affects the physician's ability to prescribe opioids in the most appropriate way based on the individual needs of the patient. So that is the real uh, top-line message that I want to get across because I know sometimes uh, physicians look at these Part D formulary edits and they say, oh my goodness, uh, Medicare is saying we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that. And no, that's not the, po- that's not the point at all. Okay. These are just to increase awareness, but, uh, and, and, uh, but they are not prescribing limits in any way. Okay. In fact, um, as you know, um, uh, the um, FDA and the CDC have recent come, recently come out with clarifying guidance and, and recommend that patients not be abruptly tapered or abruptly discontinued. Uh, that would be uh, lead to um, unfortunate results for a lot of patients. So in no way do we want physicians to feel that they're under pressure to inappropriately taper or discontinue opioids on their patients. Okay. Okay. That that's um, and I and I just want to make that as clear as I can. Okay. And then, can you discuss the differences between the Medicare Part D safety edits for new opioid prescriptions and then those for chronic pain patients who require the prolonged opioid therapy? Yes. So, you know, the initial decision and what we hope um, where we can have a big impact mm-hmm. is that initial decision on prescribing opioids to begin with when perhaps a non-opioid might be the most effective. Okay. Uh, and of course that is often in the acute pain setting. That's what I'm most familiar with as an emergency physician. And you know the American College of Emergency Physicians, the Centers for Disease Control, have all come up with uh, some evidence-based uh, information that shows that for patients with acute pain very few need 
any more than seven days for the initial treatment uh, of, a, of a painful episode. These are patients who have not been on opioids before, opioid naive patients. And many uh, may need only three days. And, um, you know, I can tell you anecdotes of family members of mine who, after surgery, ended up walking out with a bottle of 30 days worth of opioids, which was not necessary, and it wasn't used. Maybe one or two pills were used. So if we can stop and reduce the number of patients receiving opioids to begin with, we can help reduce the number of patients that have uh, issues with chronic pain and chronic uh, opioid use. So that's the first thing. So on the the, the Part D uh, initial uh, edits for mm-hmm. opioid naive patients for new fills, physicians will be notified that the patient will only receive uh, seven days of the initial fill. Now, the physician can speak with the pharmacist, and he, can, uh, he or she can let the pharmacist know, no, this patient does need more for this condition, and that's appropriate. Or they can even write a subsequent prescription after those seven days, immediately following, and, and that will be filled because now the patient is no longer in that opioid-naive category. Okay. So um, we just want to raise that flag at seven days and say, Consider whether this patient really needs uh, a patient who hasn't been on opioids before. And we define opioid naive as someone who has not received a prescription in 60 days. Okay. So if they've been off opioids for 60 days um, and then they, they receive a new prescription, uh, the physician will be contacted, the patient will be notified that only seven days of that prescription will be filled initially. Okay. But the physician can clearly indicate that he feels that more is indicated uh, or write a new prescription to follow on and then that takes that patient right out of the opioid naive category and that edit will no longer apply. Well, I, I can say that it's, it's it's good to see the conversation starting to differentiate between acute pain and chronic pain because going back to 2010 when we began our, our MAG Foundation Think About It campaign to address um, a lot of the opioid issues, um, the, the conversation in the back in 2010 was about it, it seemed almost more focused on acute pain and 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 while still addressing chronic pain but but having um, discussions about limiting just prescribing opioids versus differentiating what pain physicians do compared to other specialties but also recognizing that there's a difference between chronic pain and acute pain it just seemed that the conversation was always thrown together and spoken as one versus spoken um, independently. And, you know, the literature is coming out with studies that show that even in acute pain, even in the emergency department, and the American College of Emergency Physicians has a big uh, educational program on this, other non-opioid treatments are often equally as effective in that acute pain uh, episode. So we need to always not do a knee jerk, prescribe uh, prescribe the opioid out the door in the ER if another non-opioid would be more effective or equally effective. Exactly. Well, let me ask you, how can physicians help their Medicare Part D patients receive the most appropriate individualized opioid therapy uh, using the Part D formulary edits? So, you know, the, the real thing is, of course, is understand 
once again the purpose of these edits it is not to be the policeman we mm-hmm. at CMS are not a police agency we're a healthcare agency we want to promote appropriate use uh, of opioids for our patients we want patients to get the best result and the best uh, pain relief they can so uh, you know if a physician is contacted by the pharmacist I hope physicians would understand that this is um, uh, an effort to just make them aware uh, that their patient may uh, be exceeding uh, certain limits uh, of opioid uh, levels that the physician should be aware of. One of the things we find and and one of our uh, other edits for chronic uh, opioid uh, uh, patients is that physician may not know that uh, two or three other patient uh, physicians are treating that patient. Right. Uh, and even though we do have the uh, PDMPs now up and running in every state, every state has different lookup criteria. Uh, I know I spoke with some people up in Appalachia, and they're, they're in a five um, five state uh, regions where they all come together, and the state uh, PDMPs are not talking to each other yet. Right. So, you know, it is very possible that a physician may prescribe an opioid for a patient and it hits that 90 uh, morphine milliequivalent limits and um, and yet at the same time they weren't aware of that because there may be another physician or two physicians that are doing that so the physician that prescribes that uh, that let's say second or third prescription that tips that patient over to 90 uh, MME limit will get a call from the pharmacist saying hey did you know this patient is seeing two other doctors getting prescriptions from two other doctors and uh, and the physician may say no I didn't know that or the physician say, "Yeah, I'm 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 aware of that, and it's okay uh, for for what I'm prescribing. I understand, mm-hmm. but that is not a hard edit at all. That is simply a courtesy call, right. a reminder. Okay. The same thing on uh, patients where they're found to have combinations of benzodiazepines and uh, mm-hmm. opioids, which can be a dangerous combination. Once again, uh, physicians may not know um, always what other physicians are prescribing. I, I know that from um, real the recent evidence with my own elderly father-in-law right. uh, that med reconciliation is something we're still striving at. So we just want to make sure that physicians are aware of what their patients are on. So more to look at the pharmacist as a, as a teammate. Uh, not as a policeman, not as somebody who's holding up a stop sign. Uh, That's the point we really want to make. And then finally, there's the 200 morphine milliequivalent limit. They will get a a call on that. Okay. And uh, and those are areas where the pharmacist and the health plan and the physician may decide maybe this patient should be in a a med management program. Right. Where uh, they only receive the uh, opioid from one particular physician okay or one particular pharmacy so those are things that can happen when patients reach that level but once again the physician who's treating that patient does have a significant say into how that would be operationalized okay well you know especially with um, you know with PDMPs and there's obviously a little bit of a delay time in terms of when that data becomes available to uh, someone on the other end i.e. a physician or mm-hmm. a pharmacy um, you know maybe with as, as health information exchanges become more broadly used that's real time so then that would also be another uh, tool 
to help physicians and pharmacists get that information in real time rather than have that del- that delay of 24 to 48 hours that right. does happen with PDMPs. So just as long as we can continue to give tools to the physicians and the providers um, to continue to address the opioid issue. Right. And even rarely in our own part, the mm-hmm. if a patient changes the plan, there might be a few uh, days or weeks of lag time where right. uh, the new plan doesn't catch up with the data and the old plan, so the patient might be considered uh, opioid naive when they're not. Okay. Uh, so that's just an area to be aware of. Well, I, I had the opportunity yesterday to um, to get on the CMS website and um, and, 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 and utilize the, mm-hmm. the mapping tool. Mm-hmm. So um, first of all, let me ask you, why did CMS develop the opioid mapping tool for Medicare Part D and Medicaid? Well, we have all this Medicare mm-hmm. Part D data and prescription data uh, for, for all, all prescribers and all drugs including opioids, but not limited to. Uh, And the opioid mapping tool is a tool to allow physicians and public health officials and uh, and, uh, even patients to understand where opioid hotspots hot might be, uh, where there needs to be a better focus on uh, prevention, and uh, where we can uh, utilize our resources in prevention and treatment. And then physicians themselves can look at their own region and see uh, that they are in perhaps an opioid prescribing hotspot. Uh, and they can even look at their own uh, percentage of opioid prescriptions under Part D and see how they compare to other specialists uh, and, and uh members of their own location. Okay. And I can go into more detail about that later if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you, before we get to that, what are some of the key similarities and differences uh, between the Medicare and Medicaid opioid mapping tools? So the Medicare uh, tools, and both of these now have several years of data. Medicare has 2013 through. We just added 2017. There is a lag uh, on this because we want to um, de-identify it from a patient point of view, make sure the data, uh, look at that integrity, etc. But uh, for both Medicare and Medicaid, over those time spans, uh, we can go to a map, and you'll see on the Medicare, you both have, uh, and Medicaid, you can look at state opioid prescribing right. rates. Okay. And, the, you know, at the state level, they'll be color-coded as to what, what states have certain opioid prescribing rates. Okay. Now, the Medicaid is only drills down to the state level. Yeah. Medicare drills down to county Okay. As well as zip code. So you can even toggle that map yeah. and see uh, that map, and all of a sudden you'll see the county rates. And then you'll even see the zip code rates. Right. So um, it uh, it is a, a very interesting tool that uh, physicians can use. And you can see in Medicaid the change in opioid prescribing over right. time, right. the different rates. Medicaid uh, looks at the plans, uh, Medicare Advantage, uh, Medic, uh, uh, fee-for-service, and managed care. Okay. Our, our uh, Part D plans are mostly Medicare Advantage or standalone Part D plans on Medicare. Okay. Okay, and then wh- what kind of information is displayed in, in these uh, Medicare and Medicaid mapping tools? So as well as the geographic rates mm-hmm. of prescriptions and on the physician right. side, that would be uh, based on where the physician's office is located uh, by zip code. Right. So you can go zip code, county, or state, uh, and that would be where that physician, uh, that prescription originated by that originating prescription okay. would be uh, keyed to that zip code. 
So um, a physician can look in their own zip code and see all the other uh, prescribers in that zip code and see what their rates are. And on the individual side of things, a physician can uh, use a spreadsheet and sort data by state. They can sort it by uh, specialty. So I looked at emergency medicine, for instance, mm -hmm. as an ER doc, and I found that the um, range primarily of ER docs and their Part D prescribing for opioids on, as, a, as a percentage of all their uh, Part D prescriptions in the Medicare patients is around 20 to 40 percent. And that actually, you know, so a little under 30 percent. Right. Uh, uh, um, when, a, when a Medicare patient comes into an ER, that actually didn't surprise me that much because we deal with acute pain. Right. in the emergency department. This doesn't talk about duration, doesn't talk okay. about quantity, just talks about rate. It's not making any judgment as to what the appropriate number is, because that's going to depend on every individual right. uh, patient and a physician's patient case mix and population. But you can get an idea where, if I were an ER director, uh, which I used to be, right. <laughs> I could look at uh, the, um, uh, the, the opioid prescribing rate rates of all 20 of my emergency physicians and we could de-identify them and we could just let people know that where they are and then they can assess uh, whether their patients are um, different than others or their prescribing practices are, are different and, and assess where um, they may want to look at those practices. Maybe some physicians aren't prescribing enough. Right. That's possible. And maybe some are uh, prescribing more than they should. But by looking at that data, physicians right. can kind of get a sense where they are. And they can, uh, allergy and immunology, I looked up that, the prescription rate is zero. Right. Uh, so uh, um, I even looked up my wife. Uh, she's an uh, infectious disease specialist. Her rate is zero. I was right. happy to inform her of that, as it probably should have been. And so some of the categories that, that are on the mapping tool also include such as like uh, long-acting uh, long opioid prescribing data, changes in prescribing rates, things like that in rural and, and urban areas. It, it goes into multiple categories. Exactly. Yes, okay. we divide up, um, we divide up uh, both urban and rural areas mm -hmm. as defined by census data. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, health uh, departments can look at this and uh, decide where their needs are the greatest. Okay. In a certain area, certain county, zip, uh, rural, zip code, etc. Yes. And so, um, as we're, we're getting close to our time, how can our audience get more information on the CMS mapping tool and the prescribe and the opioid prescribing policies for the Medicare Part D program? So, in the um, uh, publicity for this uh, program, of course, we do list the websites. Uh, they Correct. have long URLs. But I always tell people, you know, if you just go to your um, uh, search engine of choice, uh, put in CMS. Uh, opioid mapping tool or CMS Part D uh, policies, CMS safety edits. Generally, that will come right up to the top and you'll get the link Okay. Uh, if you uh, don't have the uh, URL. Um, that's how I often find it. And, and we'll also have them in the notes after the program. Yeah. Um, are there any final thoughts that you would like our, our listeners to take away uh, from this conversation? Well, yeah, I want to just make sure that physicians understand that we are not the police agency. We are here to make sure that our Medicare patients get the best care, the right amount of pain treatment at the right time, uh, whatever that will be, whether it's opioid or non-opioid. 
Uh, we want to make sure the physicians understand that and we understand that every clinical decision has to be made on an individual basis right. centered on that patient and these safety edits that we've talked about are not in any way prescribing limits I know there's a lot of anxiety in physicians out there but at least from the Medicare program uh, the um, uh, all we want to do is make sure physicians utilize this information to uh, make the best decisions for their patients. Okay. Well, Dr. Wall, thank you for, for taking your time out today um, and, and talking about this issue with the Medicare Part D program, but also discussing opioids. Um, at this point, if you're a physician um, or if you, anyone, please feel free to share this uh, this recording and our latest Top Doc show uh, through your social media outlets. Uh, for more information about um, our past shows, please go to www.mag.org backslash Top Docs. Um, until next time, uh, we, we look forward to seeing you on our next Top Doc show. Thank you.